It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Turf Show Times Radio, the podcast, the podcast channel. This is, it is Saturday. I'll tell you now, it's Saturday, September 25th, 2021. The Rams play the Buccaneers on the 26th of September, which is one day from today uh, at one o'clock p.m. afternoon time. If you're on the West Coast, if you're maybe a uh, St. Louis Rams fan and you want to, and you're still in St. Louis and you're following the Rams, I'm guessing that's probably a 335. I don't actually know if St. Louis is in that time zone or if they're all the way in the Eastern time zone, but that's not what this show about. This show is about some last minute thoughts. We want to get in and talk about the Rams and the Bucks. the last minute thoughts before the game begins on Sunday. We are three writers from turfshowtimes.com, a Rams website. Uh, I believe officially the best Rams website on the internet. I mean, that's official for me. Uh, I don't know who else would be an authoritative body. So I'm going to go ahead and take credit for that. But with me to talk about the Rams and get out our last minute thoughts are two other writers from Turf Show Times. Today, we've got JB Scott and Robert Finn. Two guys that you may know from their articles about the Rams this season. And we want to talk a little bit about our thoughts on what's happened this season, as well as what we think is going to happen next day, because it's not next week. This is last minute thoughts. You got to say, hey, it's about time for the game. And so we're going to get to know these uh, other Rams fans, Rams writers, talk to them about what's going on this season and uh, just chat about the Rams. So why don't you guys just uh, join us for this chat? Listen on in. We're talking about the Rams and the Bucks. And with me, I'll begin here with uh, JB Scott. JB, why don't you uh, just let everyone else know uh, out there a little bit about you, but uh, what, what was your first memory or maybe your first Rams team? Uh, do you, could you get into maybe like that first foray you had into being a following the Rams. Of course. Well, it dates back to 2006 or around there. It was the first year of the Scott Linehan era and Mark Bulger had a huge start. I think he threw for over 4,000 yards. It was only one of a handful of quarterbacks to do so that year. And things were looking promising, but obviously in hindsight, it didn't go so well the next couple of years. And I think Linehan only made a season and a half past that. So that's how I started as a Ram fan and stuck around <laughs> through all those bad, bad years. Wow. That's uh that's admirable. You know, that's, that's not coming in at the best time, obviously for Rams franchise history. That's right before uh, the Spagnolo era. So yeah. And then the Jeff Fisher, now you've stuck it all the way through Sean McVay. Uh, you know, it's like, there's a new movie on HBO called malignant. And uh, I got to say, I watched, part of it and then I stopped watching it and then I watched part of it and I stopped watching it and I said gosh this is just like the Scott Linehan and Scott uh and Steve Spagnuolo era and then it's like the Jeff Fisher era all here in this movie but you know what 
Malignant on HBO eventually becomes a Sean McVay era, and I recommend watching it. So you never know what's going to happen. Robert, why don't you uh, do the same here? Let everyone out there know a little bit about yourself. And uh, when when would you, would you say you started following the Rams? You know, not to play one-upsmanship here, but um, <laughs> I have been following the Rams for pretty much my entire life. And that takes it all the way back to the Jim Everett days when they had Henry Ellert, Aaron Cox, even Greg Bell. I remember that guy. So um, I've been long suffering all through the 90s. Um, that brief shining moment in Rams history when we won the Super Bowl. And then, of course, through the, the early to mid-aughts where we had this talented team, crazy talented team, but just couldn't quite find a way to get it done. So I've lived through it all. I've loved it all. Um, all the heartache, all the tears, but all the joy that came with that as well. So, um, you know what? And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, I love that you guys um, do at, did come in at different points. Uh, Robert, yeah, you did get to experience. You had to experience everything before the Super Bowl, but then you also got to experience the Super Bowl there. And right now the Rams look like a team that is prepared, well-prepared to compete for the Super Bowl again. Of course, they were just there in 2018, but this team feels uh, dramatically more uh, explosive and threatening because of the change of quarterback. Let's talk a little bit about the first two weeks since we haven't had this podcast. Um, JB, uh, what would you say your first impressions have been on the inclusion of Matthew Stafford into the offense? Would you say that this is um, even better than expected or right around the, the level of expectations? Yeah, I would say probably they haven't had the biggest test that they'll face yet. I think that's coming in week three. So uh, first two tests, I think, got increasingly more difficult from the Bears in week one to the Colts in week two. Uh, but really, the Buccaneers are the kind of team you brought Matthew Stafford in to beat. And this is really the first assessment of his ability to elevate the team to, to match up against teams like this. So we'll see what happens and really looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things, you know, it's uh, the Rams are almost playing a, a little bit of like a, a college powerhouse schedule where in the first couple of weeks they're playing Chattanooga and uh, Corn Mountain State. And, you know, that's nothing, nothing against uh, the Indianapolis Colts and Carson Wentz. I mean, I guess I would say, you know, but clearly the Buccaneers are a different challenge here. Uh, Robert, what, what, what were your expectations or what were your thoughts here in the opening two weeks of this offense around Matthew Stafford? Do you expect to see similar production against the Bucs? Man, I hope so. And I think so. Um, obviously, like JB said, it's going to be a much bigger challenge for them. Um, but we have the receivers, right? Um, it's not just um, Cooper Cup's been balling out yeah so um that's good to see but i mean robert robert woods doesn't seem to have really gotten on track yet um van jefferson has shown he can make some big time plays and deshaun jackson i really want to see him in yeah. this game i think it could be a breakout opportunity for him but you get all four of those receivers on the field and um it really limits what that bucks defense can do you mentioned and uh, talk about the weapons there in cooper cup uh with regards to cooper cup uh, that's been the guy, you know, these last four years with Jared Goff, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods were remarkably similar. And, you know, at this point, you know, at least in terms of the amount of targets that they would receive and then sort of what they would do with those targets just in different ways. And they're very different receivers. Um, but uh, yeah, what did you guys think of Cooper Cup 
being so dominant in these first two weeks, uh, I'll open it up to either one of you guys to just talk about, do you think that Cooper Cup is going to continue to be the leader in targets uh, for most games or for the rest of the season? Or do you expect this to be a fluid situation and maybe these last two games were just the best matchups for Cooper Cup? And I'll, you know, either one of you guys, yeah, Chip. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and, and jump on in here. Sorry, JB, I, I'm not trying to step on your toes here. But um, yeah, you know, it's great to see um, Cooper start building that rapport with Matthew Stafford. That's going to be important throughout the season, especially in a game like this. But as Matthew Stafford becomes more familiar with the offense, I would expect to see him including more of those receivers, the Robert Woods, the Van Jeffersons. And so having that rapport early in the season is nice. They can only build on that as the season progresses, but they can only build on those um, familiarity with those other receivers too. So it's just going to open up the offense as they go along. Right. And the Rams call it, you know, their basketball team. Each person brings a unique aspect to the group. So, you know, maybe this is a week that you work in someone like Deshaun Jackson, who can take the top off the defense and leave more room underneath for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, maybe Van Jefferson. So I think last week, the two primary receivers were Cup and Van Jefferson just by snap counts, but definitely looking forward to seeing Robert Woods get some additional work too. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I would love to see to what degree Van Jefferson would be utilized in this particular offense and with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, they both signed contract extensions that would keep them in LA playing with the Rams for at least another year, both of them. And then, you know, the, the plan or the hope would be several years beyond that. But, you know, whether or not Van Jefferson gets opportunities will be interesting to see at what point he does get these opportunities, especially with Deshaun Jackson also in the fold. Uh, moving on to the other side of the ball, the defense has bore the most of the brunt of any criticism uh, between at least between the two main phases of football. Uh, would, would, would you guys say that the defense is anything to be concerned about, especially given that, as I said, the the Rams have played, you know, Carson Wentz and Andy Dalton so far. Now they're going to play Tom Brady. And in the NFC, uh, there's going to be a couple more matchups that are going to be that difficult, especially within the division. So what were you guys' thoughts on the defense so far? So It's not exactly the same as last year, but something that really sticks out to me is, you know, we were almost a quarter of the way through the season last year before the defense really started coming on. They lost to the Buffalo Bills and really came on strong in the second half of that game and really elevated their performance. So, so just something that's sticking in my head is maybe these guys need time to gel. Maybe they, we've seen Darius Williams work inside in the star position as well, too, in addition to Jalen Ramsey. So maybe there's some adjustment and learning that takes place there. And uh, maybe they just need time to figure it out. So definitely don't think they've lived up to expectations so far, but I think the best is yet to come for them. Yeah, and just to kind of piggyback off of that, I feel the same way. We saw this last year. They kind of started off a little bit slow, um, but they were able to pick it up and become that dominant defense towards the end of the season. So they had that high expectation coming into 2021. Um, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. And this is a good test, like we've been talking about, against a very good, legitimate um, team in the Buccaneers. And um, new starters will get an opportunity to step up. I know JJ3 obviously is gone. Um, 
So there's been some turnover on that side of the ball, but ultimately they'll get to where we expect them to be. So I'm not concerned. Um, this game may be tough for sure. It's obviously a stress test, but um, not too worried as the season goes along. Um, they'll be just fine. Yeah, the Rams uh, do a, an interesting job with Sean McVay and less need in terms of using those draft picks uh, when they are necessary. So when a player like John Johnson does leave, uh, they hope to always have somebody ready to step in there that's been sitting on the bench as a depth piece uh, from one of the recent drafts. This year, obviously, Taylor Rapp, I think that was uh, a guy who the Rams had felt comfortable starting, but clearly the absence of Terrell Burgess is pretty loud. But then you've got David Long, who didn't play for his first two years and now in his third year, a valuable uh, a, a, pl a player on the defense who's getting a lot of playing time uh, no matter what. And then you see that on the offensive line all the time, too. And now we've got Brian Allen stepping back into a center role. So these Rams have the big name like Matthew Stafford, but then a lot of key names that are now starting that we're on the team before, and uh, now we're just kind of finding out were they good draft picks or were they not? And this is kind of the opportunity to find that out. Let's move on and talk about some of the uh, things that were written on TST this week that might help us discuss a couple of our own takes on it, starting with Holden Cantor's article about players who've been standing out this year. Holden had Sebastian Joseph Day, one of those players uh, that is that was almost immediately a starter uh, as a draft pick. Troy Reader, who has now taken over uh, an inside linebacker position after, you know, Micah Kaiser fell out of favor and Matt Gay, a kicker who has been so reliable after last summer's disaster audition of uh, kickers that didn't work out for you guys. Uh, Robert, what would you say is a player who's maybe standing out for you that is under the radar? You know, there's there's been a lot to choose from, and, and that's um... – I think been one of the nice surprises of this Rams team. Um, I'm going to go with Van Jefferson on this one. I know I, I've said his name before, but um, he has, he had that big catch against the bears. Right. And he's seen more targets come his way because of that. Um, it's been flying underneath the radar because he didn't or hasn't put up the type of numbers that Cooper cup can, but um, his route running has just been outstanding. And so um, I don't think that gets called out enough because he's still a young guy. This is only his second year. So as he starts to build that rapport with um, Matthew Stafford, he's just going to get better. So I can't wait to see more of him and see him really blossom this year into the receiver. We know he can be. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really want to see so much talent out there that he has. I want to see that uh, mesh with the other Rams. JB, what would you say? Yeah, I'm keeping my eye on David Long. I think he's performed or he hasn't made any glaring mistakes, I think, through the first two weeks. Obviously, the Buccaneers wide receiver group poses a lot different threat than maybe the Bears had. And, you know, the Colts are missing T.Y. Hilton and their group it, it lacks a lot of star power. But He's probably one of the more important Rams as we go over the course of the season. And, you know, this is going to be his first real big test, I believe. So see how he holds up on the outside, you know, when either Ramsey or Williams are working in the star position on the inside. But, you know, we'll see what we have in him and we'll know for big games like this what we can expect from him moving forward. Hell yeah, man. And I think, uh, you know, for me, not to be a hipster, go outside the box, but maybe just to think about some other names that I, I haven't seen on the site. Uh, I haven't mentioned them. 
um, maybe because yeah, they're they're not players, but you know, just a shout out to Kevin Carberry, offensive line coach, uh, comes over from Stanford, replaces Aaron Cromer, the longtime offensive line coach, and you know, one of the most respected offensive line coaches in the NFL uh, was Aaron Cromer. So Kevin Carberry comes in, offensive line looks pretty good through two weeks. Brian Allen you know, that whole decision seems to be paying off well enough right now. So, you know, Kevin Carberry, there's the offensive line coach and uh, Kevin O'Connell is the offensive coordinator. I think, you know, that is, that's like a nice cushy. And I don't want to say cushy, but it's like a nice job. Who wouldn't, if you're an offensive coach in the NFL, who wouldn't want to work for Sean McVay right now, unless you're getting the promotion. So uh, I think overall there's, there's going to be more offensive kinks to work out and get better as the year goes on. But overall, when you do consider all the injuries at running back and that the plan has been uh, screwed up a little bit without cam Akers in there, a uh, nice job from some of those offensive coaches. Uh, Robert, you wrote about, our snap counts this week. And, uh, you know, that's something that people like to check in on and who is, uh, who's playing. And, and you guys, there's been such an interesting, uh, dynamic here with the offensive snaps, uh, last week before the Daryl Henderson entry pretty much could have just said that pretty much only 11 players were playing the whole game. Um, defensively, obviously there's a lot more of a, a rotation and you've got guys like Tyler Higby who are being counted on way more because, Gerald Everett's not here and they didn't send someone in to replace him. You had Daryl Henderson pretty much playing hundred percent of the snaps because there was nobody behind him who hadn't really any, any experience with the Sean McVay offense or, you know, maybe just weren't reliable uh, overall. Um, do you guys have any fears about um, the workload that is going out to certain players, even knowing that there's a 17th game? You know, for me, yes. And it, that that's the offensive line. We've seen them take 100% of the snaps both games, which is good. It shows that consistency that we like to see. But my question comes um, with depth. If one of those guys goes down, what's that going to look like, especially against this Bucks defense? Because they can get after the quarterback. So we're going to need that offensive line to really, really step it up and be what we know they can be. Um, not a good game to test uh, that depth. So um, that's really what I'm going to be looking for in terms of that snap count. Hopefully they can keep that up. Um, and you know, fingers crossed, I suppose. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Yeah, I mean, you never want to be, you got to be careful what you say about injuries, but at some point it felt like a Daryl Henderson injury was possibly inevitable. So he's just not used to carrying a workload like this, and he's not really built for it. So he's been a good back so far this year, no glaring mistakes, nothing like that, but he just... I feel like I want more explosive plays out of him as well. So 
definitely Sony Michelle is someone who can carry the load. You have Jake Funk who might work in on third downs. So something to monitor uh, and starting in this game and over the course of the season as well. All right, it's time for some of our last second, last minute thoughts on the injury situation, talking about the injury situation for both teams. Uh, this week's injury situation for the Rams is that Daryl Henderson is a game time decision with his rib cartilage injury. Uh, and Leonard Floyd will probably play. He is dealing with an ankle injury on the Bucks side. Antonio Brown is most likely out with COVID-19, uh, as well as pass rusher Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, interestingly enough, we've well, got uh, pass rushers on both sides, young rookie pass rushers on both sides that injuries may allow for them to get snaps this week for the Bucks. Joe Tryon Troyanka is a first-round pick out of Washington who, from all reports, seems to be a dynamic, devastating young rookie pass rusher. He was a first-round pick. He opted out last year, and this would be his first start of his career getting in place of JPP if he doesn't go. So that could be a very a tough test for Rob Havenstein or even Andrew Whitworth, who through so far, maybe I would say has had maybe the most struggles on the offensive line, which is not to say that he has struggled immensely, but maybe compared to the other four guys. Uh, and then with Daryl Henderson, of course, that could mean more playing time for Sonny Michelle or Jake Funk. Uh, I, I'm going to ask you guys, you know, uh, if you had to give an honest answer of something that did not require you to answer logically if Daryl Henderson is not out there just logically who do you want to see get the ball do you want to see Sony Michelle get the ball or do you care I don't care what Jake Funk's experience level is I only want to see Jake Funk in there uh JB who do you want to see that get the ball yeah I mean interested to see Sony Michelle take on a larger workload but is it wrong to want Matthew Stafford to air the ball out as well too uh no, face, <laughs> that's not wrong. They faced stout interior defenses the first two weeks of the year uh, in the Bears and Colts, and they face yet another one here in week three. So Matthew Stafford's averaged about 28 passes the first two games. I definitely think that number could be, you know, between 40 and 50, maybe closer to 50, as, you know, opponents that have faced the Buccaneers have had so far this year. Dak, Dak Prescott had, you know, he aired the ball out in week one as well. So we saw that on primetime. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, there was, a, I, I, that's the, uh, another point uh, from Dylan Dean's arc, article on Turf Show Times this week, where he was making bold predictions, and he predicted that Matthew Stafford would have over 50 pass attempts, which hasn't happened since 2018, but when you look at uh, the first two games for the Bucks, both of those quarterbacks that, you know, have at, were over 50 passes or almost 50 passes. And yeah, the Bucks are difficult to run against. So passing seems to be the name of the game for at least for the Rams side and the Bucks too, because they are one of the least running teams in the NFL. So could expect a lot of passes. Uh, Robert, who do you want to see that get the ball? What does your heart tell you would be more fun? You know, I loved the Sony Michelle trade from the get-go. So I've been wanting to see him take on a larger role um, throughout the course of this very young season. So I want him to get the ball. I want to see what he can do. I want to see if he can truly be that running back one. I'm not saying he should be necessarily because I, I like Hendo, but um, this is his opportunity, right? This is his stage to step it up against a very good defense. Let's see what you got, kid. Jeez. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, 
it's it's time and and the Rams will need it. Uh, I would also say, and I'm gonna go ahead and guess that you guys are, but are you guys Chris Garrett believers? Uh, do you think that if Chris Garrett, seventh round pass rusher out of Concordia, were to get opportunities this season, do you think he would be productive? I'll open it up to either one of you. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. He has that speed off the edge. We saw that in the preseason. And obviously that's different than playing the regular season. He's going up against starters and, and actual game plans, but um, he seems to have the goods from what we saw. He flashed some really, really nice plays, especially there against the Raiders. So um, yes, absolutely. I want to see more of that. It's really, it's really a good week to get him in the game too, because, you know, Obo Okoronkwo is on injured reserve and is eligible to come off after this week, possibly. So it's just, in my view, who do you take off the field in order to get Chris Garrett work? Do you take up Terrell Lewis off the field? Justin Hollins? Is Chris Garrett really better than those players? I'm not convinced, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, Robert, do you take, um, would you say that you would take Terrell Lewis off of the field for Chris Garrett? Um. Oof, man, no, no. Um, Terrell mm -hmm. Lewis definitely gives us, I think, um, more of an upside, yeah. um, a higher ceiling, not just from being able to rush the passer, but from that run stop um, perspective as well. Uh, I don't know if Chris Garrett really has um, shown us enough from that angle. Yeah, very true. Very, um, I think, uh, logical and astute to take the, you know, take the road of knowing who, is going to be on the field and there's only some, there's only 11 spots uh speaking of rookie linebackers though why don't you guys give me your uh quick assessment of ernest jones and the readiness of ernest jones because you know troy reader hasn't been out there for all the snaps uh kenny young was found himself ejected in the last game and I, and i wouldn't say that the rams uh would be able to claim that their four linebacker spots are uh, locked in cement. Uh, you know, obviously Leonard Floyd is there. Obviously, I think everybody is pretty happy so far with the play of Justin Hollins, but you don't have a single linebacker out there other than Floyd, who is a longtime starter in this league. This is all a lot of new players out there. So, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on Ernest Jones and his timeline to become a starter? Over the course of the preseason, you know, he played solid, I think, but not really flashing a lot of playmaking ability, which the threshold for Rams linebackers is a pretty low bar. Uh, whenever you talk about roster building, the Rams don't really prioritize that position. So what, uh, you have the star studded defense and a lot of playmakers across the board, really the middle linebackers just don't need to mess things up. And he hasn't so far, but I really think this is Kenny Young's job to lose and Troy Reader will mix in on rundowns. So maybe Ernest Jones, I'd like to see him working, you know, become a more sturdy pass stopper in coverage. But if that happens, maybe he could work in with the starters a little more often. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry about that. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think he definitely has some, some growth opportunities <laughs> from that linebacker position, but um, seeing him get more action on the field would definitely be a good thing, but I don't think he's quite ready for that starter role just yet. Let's talk about the key matchups uh, in Rams Bucks. Uh, again, if you check out turfshowtimes.com, we've got key matchups from Dylan. Uh, we've got keys to the game from Holden. So check that out. But let's talk about the key matchups to us. Uh, big one here will be the Rams interior offensive line. 
versus Vita Via and Ndamukong Sue. Uh, let me ask you guys, uh, Sue, he was with the Rams for one year. You guys were uh, watching that year. Would you say, where, where would you rank Sue among all of the defensive tackles who have played next to Aaron Donald? Uh, Robert, how highly does Sue rank in that category? You know, I would, as far as all the DLs who's played next to Donald, um, I mean, top five, maybe even top 10 for him. Um, if you think back to that season, they did a really good job stopping the run. That's kind of his bread and butter there. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I really feel like he was one of the better defensive linemen to play alongside Donald. Um, and he's a matchup really to keep an eye on as well, because um, that entire defensive line can really put um, pressure on that offensive line. And it starts, I think, with him. JPP gets a lot of the uh, credit because he does get to that quarterback a little bit more often. But um, Sue is dominant. He still is even in, you know, his his seems like twilight years, but he's certainly certainly still got the goods. Yeah. What would you say, JB, as far as where Sue ranks? Uh, and do, would you say that when the Rams have the ball, that this is their most uh, concerning matchup is interior offensive line versus the defensive line of the Bucks. Yeah, Sue is formidable, and he really flashed, I thought, last year when the Rams played the Bucks. so definitely can cause you problems. I think there was a big difference when Sue was with the Rams of playoff Sue versus regular season Sue, and I'm not sure that's that well with Coach McVay, but maybe if that wasn't the case, he would have been in Rams uniform for a longer time, but you know, as Coach McVay says, consistency is a truish measure of performance. So uh, just seemed like a bad culture fit there. But Yeah. And what would you guys say is uh, the Rams' biggest concern when they have the ball in terms of matchups? This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's got to be Vita Vey going up against uh, Brian Allen, right? I mean, it, it just has to be. <laughs> he's um, He's been the big question mark on the offensive line throughout the entire offseason and now into the regular season. So um, that's got to be the biggest concern. Everybody else is solid. They were starters all last year. So um, Brian Allen and, and Vita Vey, to me, seems like the biggest matchup to watch. Yeah, and the Bucks have a reliable group of corners. I wouldn't say any of them are, you know, towards the top shelf of the league. You know, definitely Ross Cockrell, someone you can pick on. I wonder if the Rams can implement some sort of speed threat this this week. So maybe Deshaun Jackson, maybe it's a good week to see Jacob Harris get some work in the red zone. Uh, just definitely think you need to add a new element to this offense so we haven't seen the first two weeks. But also, we didn't necessarily need to see those against the Bears and Colts. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And um, I, I and yeah, I would say just from my conversation with a Bucks writer, for those watching the game, uh, yeah, nobody is a rec nationally recognized defensive back in terms of one of the elites or anything like that. They, his favorite, though, was uh, Carlton Davis. The third may be the cornerback who has the potential to be a top 10 cornerback in the NFL. But, you know, these matchups with the Rams wide receivers is uh, as 
tough of a test as uh, any young cornerback, I think, could face with all the experience and the toughness that Robert Woods and Cooper Cup bring to the field. Uh, and then the, the, just the deep threat of Deshaun Jackson. Would love to see that come into play against Deshaun Jackson's old team, one of many old teams for Deshaun Jackson uh, this Sunday. Uh, let's go to the other side of the ball. Um, there's going to be focus on Jalen Ramsey and who's he's covering, which Bruce Arians, uh, if you read seven important things, the Bucks said this week, Bruce Arians said uh, he expects Jalen Ramsey to shadow Mike Evans. Uh, and the Rams have a very difficult test in the red zone with Rob Gronkowski, arguably the biggest red zone threat in the NFL. One of the most talented guys once you get near the end zone there. So uh, look for Rob Gronkowski, uh, JB, when the, Bucks have the ball. This is the, the test we were talking about with the defense. Uh, who are those playmakers? Or maybe, you know, they have so many playmakers. Who's the playmaker on the Bucks that you think might give the Rams the most problems? Sure. We saw Ramsey match up against Mike Evans last year. Uh, don't know if that will be the same plan this year. So if that's the case, definitely I would watch for Chris Godwin. He's he's a great, great player. So and really the Bucks receivers are big people. They're very tall and Rams corners are not Darius Williams is 5'8". David Long is 5'11", I believe. So Ramsey's really the only one that has size. Maybe it's a time to work in someone like Terrell Burgess. So he didn't, he played a single snap last week. Maybe we see more of him this week. Yeah, I'll throw that over to you, Robert, as far as uh, all these weapons on the Super Bowl champions, who's the one that the Rams might have the most issues with? To me, it's Gronk. I mean, he has shown at the beginning of the season that he still has um, ability, right? He's still one of the top tight ends in the league. And I'm not sure if the Rams have a linebacker that can cover him. I mean, um, maybe a corner who has some size, but they're going to be stretched out because of the receiving core that the Buccaneers have. So who do you get to cover Gronk? The man's huge um, and he can run and he can catch and he can do everything really, really well. I don't know. I don't know who's going to, take that role for the Rams yeah it's gonna be the test and uh, that test comes up on Sunday if you're out there listening to this I mean maybe there's just hours until the game maybe minutes maybe seconds maybe it's the first half and you're you're finally catching up but this is uh, our last minute thoughts as the Rams take on the Buccaneers huge game speaking of huge games you know the Patriots have uh, one next week against the Bucks. The Bucks have to go to New England. Tom Brady back to New England. It's the game that people have been talking about for months. So that's something that the Bucks have on the horizon that they've already been getting questions about all week. Maybe that's a distraction for them. Who knows? Uh, so I would expect Tom Brady to be prepared in a way that he wouldn't overlook a team. But you know that is a big thing coming up. Uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit. Our last second predictions. Uh, JB. What are your thoughts on what's going to happen on Sunday afternoon at SoFi Stadium? Yeah, well, the Rams play the Cardinals next week. So they they look great. They maybe are the first, the best or second best team in the NFC West uh, with how they performed so far this year. So definitely I'd like the Rams to win. If they can't get a victory this week, maybe next week. So I think you got to mm -hmm. take one of those two. Um, maybe the Bucks get a little bit of a revenge game here after the Rams upset them last year. So right before they got rolling and went on to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Robert, what would you say uh, you're expecting tomorrow? That's a, it's a great point about the, the Cardinals. You know, if the, if the Rams split these next two games in any fashion, maybe that's, uh, you know, maybe you would even prefer, of course, to have that win over the Cardinals. But uh, what are your expectations for Sunday? 
you know, I, I think that's a great point too. These next three games are really going to be um, test after test after test, back to back to back. But um, when it comes to Sunday, that's the one we're looking at right now. Uh, my heart says Rams. I think, especially with the addition of Matthew Stafford, we can um, get that done. Um, but my head, <laughs> my head's a little bit of a different story, right? Um, the Bucks are just on fire right now. They look great in weeks one and two. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to be a homer on this one. I'm going with the Rams at SoFi. I'm going to get it done. Yeah, you know, the Rams beat the Bucs last year in Tampa Bay. It was uh, 27-24. At the time, Tampa Bay, wa- they fell to 7-4. and four. Then they lost the next week to the Chiefs, and they were 7-5. and five. So the Bucs had only been 7-5 and five after 12 games. They were uh, not as good as the Rams at that point of the season, and, and the Rams beat them. And now they come in on a winning streak of 10 straight games, won the Super Bowl, totally different expectations, but the game is at SoFi Stadium. And I think that uh, you got to go with the home field. I think that the Rams will beat the Bucs for the second year in a row. And uh, I would expect a lot of those pass attempts because these two teams don't really have a design to play the game any other way. The NFL doesn't necessarily want them to throw it or to run it either. So uh, I expect a lot of passes there from Brady and Stafford. Uh, Robert, where can people find you online? Do you want them to follow you on Twitter? Yeah. I mean, if they want to, I'm at Robert Finn is me. So um, give me a follow. I would love to follow you back. Robert Finn is me. Uh, that's F I N N. And you can find him on turf show times. Uh, JB, I'll uh, send that same question over to you. Yeah. I'm a social media ghost, so you won't find me online, I guess, but uh, <laughs> you'll see me in the turf show times comment section. I always love chatting back and forth with our loyal readers. So there you go. Hell yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, follow at turf show times on Twitter, on Instagram, find us on Facebook, uh, tell a friend and uh, subscribe to this podcast. It's the last minute thoughts uh, with Robert and JB and uh, I'm Kenneth Arthur and that's it for this episode. So uh, Rams bucks this afternoon, come back for a instant reaction podcast right after with myself and Blaine Dasco.